0: It touched me because I know it would. I'm in a storm, and in the name of Jesus will get rid of the fear. Yeah. will make the darkness tremble. Yes. And this morning I was reading about spiritual warfare. The scripture that Julia shared was exactly what I read this morning. Yes, thank you, Lord. And the most powerful tool that we have to fight the enemy. It is the blood of Jesus. Yeah. The yes. demons Amen. Oh, yeah. at the word, the blood, the blood of Jesus. And Nancy's family, we plead the blood over them. That will get rid of the demons. Yes. Right. And the spiritual strongholds, yes. it right. will get rid of all of the en- what the enemy is trying to do to our family for mm-hmm. years. The generational curses are gone. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Sherry, what she's going through is gone. In the name of Jesus, the yeah. blood is covered. Amen. I love you, yeah. And I can't express how much I feel strongly about what we're all going through as Christians. Yeah. Yeah, amen. Even in this country, it's the easiest. We have the easiest being a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. That God that God has covered us in His blood and is protecting us and will take care of us. Right. There is freedom in the name of Jesus in the power of His blood. That's right. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Susie, I knew that when that song was sang, I knew that the Lord was ministering to you. And so it's no surprise that you stood up and shared. Amen. And I feel the same way this morning. I actually just feel like praying right at the moment. So if you'll, if you'll give me the courtesy, I'll, I'm going to take the moment to do that. Father, we just want to thank you because we realize, Lord, uh, there is power in the blood of Jesus. There is wonderful working power in the blood of the Lamb. Lord, that power that cleanses, that power that washes us. Lord, there are so many people right now lost in sin. I mean, they are lost in sin. They are lost in absolute darkness. The guilt of their life, the self-ruin that they've brought upon themselves, Lord, they are in bondage. And the only thing that's going to break that bondage and set them totally free and give them complete and total forgiveness of their sin is the blood of Jesus. Lord, it's through Your blood that we're washed and cleansed. And Lord, I love the fact that, God, not only do You just relieve us of the guilt, but that You give us a promise that You would regenerate. You would give life to us. Lord, spiritual light and life, because we were dead in sin and in trespasses, but You brought us to life in Jesus. And so, Lord, we were dead, but now we are alive in Christ. And so, God, I want to thank You, Lord, for the, for the provision that You've given Lord, today I want to pray that, Lord, this will come alive to us in this congregation. Now more than ever, that we are serving a living God. We're serving the God who said, I will. The God who said, I can. The God that said that what's impossible for man is possible with him. Lord, we know that, God, there's things that doctors can't do that only you can do. We know there's things that, God, physicians and psychiatrists will never be able to break in a person's mind. Lord, there's the past in somebody's life that they can't get over. But Jesus, when you get into that life, when you get into that person, it's all changed. It's all new. And all things become new through Him who's made us new. And God, there's something powerful about that. And Lord, this isn't a self-help program. This isn't somebody doing it on their own. This isn't somebody pulling up the bootstraps and figuring out how to do it. It's them learning how to rely on You, Lord, and trust in You. And give themselves over to You, Jesus, and find that You will give them the strength that they need. And God, I just want to praise You, Father, for today. That, Lord, this is that day. That, Lord, we get to call upon You, Lord. And we can call upon You with all of our heart. I just thank You that You're as near as the mention of Your name. And, Lord, as the Scripture says, to look up unto the hills from where our help comes from. Our help. Our help. Lord, the world can't say this, but we can say it. Our help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. The one that does not slumber nor sleeps. And He's given us everything we need. So, Lord, thank You today, God, that You said... That no evil shall befall us. That, God, that You would give us the strength, God, that we would be able to overcome all evil in our time. And, Lord, there's a great deal of evil surrounding our country right now. Lord, a great deal of evil. Not just division, but evil. Lord, there's those who want to supplant and control and have authority to tell us what we can and cannot do, even in our God. But, Lord, help us to stand firm in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to have boldness in our day, Lord. And Father, there is no loss. There is no loss that's too great. Because Jesus, You're our gain. Lord, they can't take You out of our life. They can't remove the beauty of who You are in us. God, they can put us in the back place of a prison cell and leave us there to rot. And we're still going to love You, Jesus. Hallelujah, mighty God. Because Lord, You're a life. You're a hope. You're a strength. And God, nobody else may know that, God. And there may be many Christians today and they really don't have the hope in Christ. Their hope is in their home. Their hope is in their finances. Their hope is in the things that they have. And God is slowly but surely diminishing until their hope is in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you'll aliven us and give us that rest in our hearts. That you are a hope. You are a great strength, God. Lord, beyond this physical frame. And God, I'm grateful, Lord. I am so grateful that my hope is not built on the finite struggle of this human body. Lord, I'm looking forward to the joy that I get to be with You forever. Hallelujah, Jesus. And clothed. hallelujah, with an immortal body. Lord, that cannot be sick and that cannot die. Hallelujah. We just give You praise. Thank You, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless You, God. Bless You, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus. I'm going to change up a little bit. I have a sermon. If I get to it, I'll get to it. But I feel like the Lord has put this on my heart. (laughs) I've got votes back there, that's for sure. Amen. So with last week, I gave everybody here a challenge. Anybody remember what that challenge was? I know you fulfilled that challenge too, because I heard you say it in your testimony. What was that challenge? Well, my challenge was to be Jesus like to a friend who is right. not a follower of Jesus at all. Exactly. And uh, I I I gave her something in return for her gracious hospitality and so I brought and replaced that. Uh, she didn't ask me to, so I was following through on integrity then but it was I was too chicken to get the word out about Jesus and the gospel. Mm. <laughs> I was too chicken. But I was there. I was trying to be. That's right. I for Jesus. By like being there and being your friend, listening to her and having some change in your life. Yeah, That's right. right. Amen. So part. So we got somebody who remembered. Praise the Lord for that. You know what? And, and she said something that she's saying something that probably a lot of us could admit to. I've had a lot of opportunity to share about Jesus and I didn't because I was afraid. That's where we are. You know, we are where we are. But I, I want to say that that's, Nancy, thank you for sharing that. Is there anybody else you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Did you experience, did you step out on that water and obey the Lord or meet that challenge this week? Was there anybody else you did? Julia did. I you, you don't have to share. I just want to know if you want to share, you can absolutely. And there was there anybody else? My wife. Anybody else? Giving you once, going twice, three times. Okay. You know what I find is one of my greatest challenges as a pastor. The challenge of calling forward action and obedience. It's not the challenge to say it. It's the challenge to do what it takes to help you guys get there. It's a challenge to do it myself. And so this week, yesterday, with my family, we're trying to continue to just, on our time together, have this focus of not just to read the Scripture, but apply the Scripture and talk about did we follow, did we obey what God gave us. And last week was Matthew chapter 5, just verse 3, Blessed are you that are poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about that there's a sense of spiritual poverty that without Jesus, I am spiritually bankrupt and I need the Lord. I need the Lord in my life. I need him for everything in my life. And so we're talking about if you need the Lord, then it shouldn't be foreign to you to step out in a place of obedience where Jesus is calling you to live the word of God, to do what he said in his word. Because you realize that the spiritual bankruptcy is because of the disobedience of our life. It's because we've been living for ourselves. and We've been doing our own thing. And it says it in Isaiah 53. That he was, he was uh, slain for us. And all we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid upon him the inequity of us all. So obedience is that first step back into Uh, complete and total dependence on God. We're not just depending on Him just to give to us. We're depending on Him in the attitude of obedience as well. And so when we talked about this, I realized, you know what, as a pastor, I can follow the flow in America right now. I can follow the flow in so many other ministries. And I can do the same thing. And, And I have. And I've done that. It's been like my own fault in a sense. And preach information and have everybody say at the end, that was a good sermon. But if it was really a good sermon, that meant that you went out last week, that week, and you did something with it. It did something inside of you. God got inside of you, and He brought you to a new level of obedience and maturity in Him. So my fear is is that I'm not doing a good job. But my secondary fear is that if I am doing my part, are we doing ours together? And so when I gave that challenge, I'm just grateful that... It's going to happen again. There's going to be more challenges in more places. And I can't tell you exactly what the Lord wants you to do in all situations. But I can tell you the Lord wants every individual in this place to be a faithful witness of Jesus Christ. There isn't one of you that gets out of that. You might get out of standing up here, and you may not have to get up here and preach. How many of you want to do that anyway? I'm looking for I got one. (laughs) Anybody want to get up here and share Okay, so you got out of that one, but you're not getting out of the call to go make disciples. You're not being called to, to go live your life. You're not being called to go make an income and buy a home and go work five to eight, five days a week and live two days off and maybe one of those days to go to church, and that's it. You're not called to that. You're called to love this community that's perishing. I don't know who said it. I just remember it. And it was a long time ago when I was in this meeting. And the guy talked about two things. And one thing he says, he says today, back way back then, you know, I'm getting old these days. He said, he said that they say uh, this love them and leave them mentality. And we got that going on right now. We just share somebody, get them to accept Jesus in their life, and then we leave them. And that's what I've been preaching against. Number two, He said, if sinners have to go to hell, if that place truly exists, if they have to go there, let not one go there unwarned or unprayed for. And let them have to leap over our bodies in order to get there. How many of us are an obstacle for people who are living outside of Christ right now? How many of us can say that? Lord, I go to my job and I see so many lost sinners on their way, To hell. They're not going to heaven. They're not going to be with the Lord for eternity. And I see them lost. And it doesn't disturb me. It doesn't break me. It doesn't. Why doesn't it? If the cross has gotten in us and we see ourselves as a forgiven sinner, that the blood that was shed by the divine Son of God came on earth and gave his life for me, a rotten, wicked sinner then my God give me a heart for somebody else who's lost. Don't let me live my life content that somebody else can be going where I was headed and the blood of Jesus washed me clean and set me on a new path and they can go there without me even shedding a tear. Without me feeling the heartbreak. Listen to me. I know what it was like to live a heartbroken life. I know what it was like to have a dad that was drunk most of his life. I know what it was like to have my mom being beaten. I know what it was like to cry out to a god I didn't know if he existed. I know what it was like to be broken. So when I found the life that Jesus gives, I found that power that he can put inside of a person. And take me, take me a dark-minded person who is ready to commit suicide and renew me, and give me life, and give me freedom, and give me peace, and give me a family called the family of God, and give me Christian witnesses, and be a disciple. And I can tell you, that meant something to me. So when I look at somebody else and I say, they don't have my freedom, they don't know my Jesus, then it hurts. And it breaks me. So when I think about this, I wonder, has the cross gotten into us and given us life? Because if you've gotten life, then it's easy to see when somebody else is dying. When somebody else is lost. And sometimes we got to get out of the Christian culture and get into the culture of the world and realize, man, they're drinking. Man, their marriage is on the edge of divorce. Man, everything's messed up in their life. Can I please, Lord, just make me a witness. Help me be a faithful disciple. Lord, help me take them under my wing, even if it's just one. And give them the little that I have. Some of us say, I haven't been a Christian for long. I don't have the knowledge that much of the Bible. But do you have enough to know that you're saved? Do You have enough to know that you've been washed by the blood of Jesus. And you have enough to help somebody else along. You have enough to get them there. I got some amens. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God for the back row. <laughs> not very many preachers are going to tell you that. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> so we went to Matthew chapter 5 verse 4 as a family and we looked at this scripture it says blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that seems so strange that what is this mourning? And we talked about it as a family together. And when we did, this was the thing that came to came out of our time together was that the Christian has trials too. You didn't come to Jesus so that you could escape all the pressures and difficulties of life. You came to Jesus knowing you were going to face difficulties. And some of us came to Jesus knowing that it's going to get worse the moment we came to Christ. You look at the life of the Apostle Paul, and he says, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often, a night and a day in the deep, being sent, put, in, put in prison, being beaten with rods, Uh, like, here's the legacy of a man's life who is positively the disciple of Jesus. So he wasn't escaping it, but why was he suffering so badly? Why was he going through so much struggle? It's because he was completely surrendered and loved the Gospel, and he was devoted to Jesus. I mean, he was devoted in a culture that was ready to kill for those who were devoted. And we're not living in that right now. Oh yeah, there's people who don't want that testimony. There's a lot of people who don't. But there are people in different parts of the world who can say, I'm in that culture. And I'm committed anyway. That shows you how worthy, how valuable Jesus really is. Because there's people who said, you know what? I could go live the high life. I could go live the mighty life. I could go get the riches, the world. I could have all of that. But Jesus Christ is worth more than all of it. He's worth more than all of it. So we will mourn. But why are we blessed? Because we mourn under the Gospel. We mourn under the blood. We struggle, but we have the provisions of Jesus. It may be the peace of God. It may be the joy of the Lord. It may be the fact that no matter what I go through, there's an unstoppability to my spirit because there's nothing going to stop me from being a worshiper of the Lord. Nothing. And why is that fortitude in me? Why is that strength there? It's because God has provided for it through His grace. And why is the same man, the Apostle Paul, when he's laid out for dead, they stoned him and left him for dead, that same man they go and pray for, he raises up and goes back into the same city that they just stoned him in. I mean, what are you going? To, what are you doing? You're just. A, you're going. This time they're going to make sure it's done and it's done for real. But this man can walk boldly and fearlessly in the face of opposition because of that he is blessed in Christ. Hallelujah. The strength that God can give to us if we learn to yield to Him. Yeah. And so I thought about this and I was like, you know what? I can't... There's a sorrow of the world. There's a sense that when you're broken in the world, that there's no recovery. There's no hope. Once your marriage is gone, that's gone. Everything's gone. There's a sense that this is gone. Everything's gone with it. But in Christ, we realize, my eternal, my value, my hope is in Jesus Himself. I never did put my value on things of this earth. And Jesus said Himself... Very well. He said, Do not set your treasures here on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal. How many of you guys have had anything stolen? Is there anybody who hasn't had something stolen? That's what I. Okay, so it's not worth putting. But they can't steal Christ out of your life. But I'm wondering something. I wonder this a lot. I wonder how come, if they can't steal Jesus out of my life, how come there's a lot of people not living for Him? How come we're better at being informational disciples than obedience-based disciples? How How come I can find my Christian brothers spending more time struggling with the world? And I ask, I ask, I say, how's your time with God? Do you have time to pray? Do you have time in the Word of God? Just simple as that. And I will see, I will hear over and over again, ah, there's like this wavering, seriously? But you have time for what? Obviously we've had time for the world. We've had time to enjoy. We've had time for everything else. But we have not got time for the Word of God. But you can't, you can't take Jesus away. You can let go of Him. You can let go of Him. You can go do your own thing and find out how hard that is. Or you can lay hold of Him. You can let go of Him or you can lay hold of Him and you can have Him in your life. And I was thinking about this. How do we carry this into the world we're in? In the area of obedience. If I'm going to talk to you about Christianity, I'm going to talk to you about obedience. There's no way around it. One reason I'm going to talk to you about obedience because I don't know of any better expression of love. I don't know of another expression of love that's better than obedience. And when it comes to Jesus, friends, we can all come in this place and we can say, I love to sing those songs. But if you want them to become the byproduct of your life? You have to yield your life. Yes. I, Lord, I'm, I'm all yours. I belong to you now. I don't get to live my life. My life is yours. And I want To live my life for Jesus. So when it comes to the area of obedience. And involvement in the ways of the Lord. We cannot skip out on that. So when I'm talking about discipleship. If you're a Christian today. You have an obligation of discipleship. Because you love Jesus. And you can say well that could be legalism and works. It could be. It could be. If you miss the whole focus. If you miss the whole thing, you could be trying to merit God's forgiveness and salvation in your life. You could be saying, I need to work so hard and do so much to make God happy. Or I can be totally out of the devotion of love given to Him. And so when I'm saying discipleship, I'm saying that every person in this place, you can't let your neighbor... You can't let him perish or her perish while you live in your home enjoying the peace of God. You can't do that. Not in love to the Lord. And so love is kind of like a boundary if you want to look at it like that. Love is like this boundary that outside of the boundaries of love, there's another world. Love doesn't give me permission in all ways and to do all things. Love puts me in a position of staying within that boundary. It's a field of obedience and love to the Lord. What I even think about this place of prayer. Because if we can't do it and God can, then we're obligated to pray. Jesus said it very simple to His disciples. He said, if you had the faith, the faith of a grain of mustard seed, if you had just that much faith, you could say to that mountain, go outside when you get out there and look at the mountain. You could say to that mountain, be removed into the sea, and it would obey. I don't think Jesus was saying, I want this church to go out there and command that mountain. I think He was saying is is that when you understand the foundation of, Of who Jesus is. You understand that He's still alive. You understand that He's seated at the right hand of the Father. You understand that He has the power to command things that are not. And make them as though they were. You understand that He is still the creator of the universe. And He can move beyond the physical nature of things. And still do things that are beyond possible in our sight. And He's not within our limitations. And our finite way of thinking. When you begin to realize those mountains that you look at, as vast and as mighty as they are, they were commanded into existence by just one word breathed out of the mouth of God. And He wants to breathe into your life yeah. that same word and bring something up that's His creative force and power to renew and magnify who He is. He wants to magnify who He is and the greatness of who He is. So as I'm, we're singing these songs and I'm moved and motivated by the thought that, Lord, my apprehension is so finite, I really don't know the might of my God. Lord, please bring me in through the Holy Spirit. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Because I will testify to you. I will say, I know the difference between just shouting a prayer or even saying a prayer and feeling the inspiration of God in my spirit to pray His prayer. And all I can say is this, is my own experience has led me to believe this one thing. The Holy Spirit takes the thought for that person or that situation that you've been praying for, and He magnifies it a hundred times deeper and a hundred times greater. And it becomes so much more vivid in the presence of God. That's why all I'm trying to say is is that the reason why the church doesn't pray, or the reason we've got locked in gear as we're not efficient or powerful in prayers because we're not getting the Holy Spirit to minister to us that vivid revelation as if God took away the veil of our finite eyes and helped us see into the thing of the Spirit and pray fervently and effectually God's way. And the reason I say that is because I have spent hours its either in a back room or somewhere else and God put somebody on my heart. How many of you can say God's put somebody on your heart? I went into that that room or that place. I said, Lord, I don't know how to pray for them. And in maybe an hour or a time or something like that, but I can say the heavens broke through for me. The Holy Spirit took away the veil. And all of a sudden, I was seeing a vividness over the person. And I felt deeply for them as if the heart of God were in my heart. And that, to me, brothers and sisters, is prayer. That's prayer. We've gotten together for men's times on Monday. And I just feel that breath. And we're in tears, we're broken. Some of us are like, how do I go to work after this? And God wants the church to catch wind of it. He doesn't want us to be churchy. He doesn't want us to be religious. He doesn't want us to be bound to the pew. He wants us moving in the the heart of the gospel. He doesn't want us to be locked down to our beds and couches, watching television and on Facebook. He wants a living, vital soul that Jesus Christ died for to be in your scope. You know, I have a word for hunters today. I look for the men that are out there hunting. (laughs) Get a lost soul in your scope. Get him in the scope. You know what? Sometimes before you can get him in the scope, you've got to get close enough to him so you can get him in the scope. It's the reality of things. How many of you are hunting? Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, "I will make you fishers of men. I will make you like you're going to get. How many you guys? Is there anybody here that hasn't fished in their life somewhere? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. You you sling that pole out there and you just wait. You got that patience and you're just drawing it in and you're not getting anything. And and you know what? I know a lot of you. I know the truth is you didn't. You went out there and you didn't get anything. But you still went out there anyway. And you still made the effort anyway. But how come when it comes to souls, we don't do that? We don't do that. We don't make any effort. Very little. And we were like, well, I'm afraid I won't get one. You know, I'll cast out and I'm afraid that, you know, like I'll, I'll, maybe I'll hook it and I'll, I'll, I'll lose them. And I'm afraid that maybe, maybe I'll say things the wrong way and I'll lose them. You're doing more than the guy that's sitting in his home and he didn't get in the boat and he didn't take his fishing pole with him. Amen. You know, the reality is you carried enough to try, and that means something to God. And honestly, I think that's where the grace of God comes in. Because the grace of God comes in when we step out. You know, Jesus and the disciples were in the boat, they'd cast the net, they were out there all night long. And Jesus is like, let's just reapply what you just did, but let's do it with my grace. Amen. Amen. Let's do it with my grace. The reason why we struggle is because we still need more the grace of God. But probably the majority of the struggle isn't because we need the grace of God, because we need the willingness to step out. So I'm going to continue to call forward acts of obedience. I want you, this is your challenge this week, I want you to look up in the Word of God. I don't care what it is. I want you to look up in the Word of God something that you can follow. That you can do, and I want you to do it. It's that simple. Jesus is like, don't be don't be vain hearers of the word only, but be doers of it. So I want you to think about what is it in the Bible that God wants me to do, and then do it. You know, Tina said something that was beautiful. She already is a great example of that today. She's like, I in my struggle, instead of walking away from the Lord, I in my struggle found that God wanted to minister to me in this quiet time. And I saw where I needed to re-put my focus. Meaning that there's some things in obedience we quit doing. Right? And there's some things out of obedience that we start doing. And this is where I think we have it mixed up, is that we're asking God to bless the work of our hands while we go do our own will. I'm going to go do my plans. Lord, bless my plans. Instead, what we need to say is, Lord, I really want to get involved in what Jesus came to do. I want to be a part of that. Lord, I'm willing to abandon this so I can go do this. I think it's that simple. And you ask me, how are we going to get the Spirit of God to move in our churches? How are we going to get a revival in our community when we get to the point when obeying Jesus is the foundation of what we call revival. Really. And so I think in some ways it's prayer. I think we have too many things on our plate and we don't have time to pray and we have excuses for not. I just, I simply, you know, if I was sitting down with somebody, I'd ask him, so how's your time of prayer? Well, mm," you know what I, and then I would ask them, so what are you doing instead? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm on my phone or I'm, you know, doing this or whatever. Well, I want to help keep you committed to being prayed. Do you feel the necessity? Are you willing to pray? Yes, I'm willing to pray. Well, then I'm going to talk to you next week, and I'm going to ask you if you pray, And I'm going to ask you how that was like, and what that was like for you. And then I'm going to continue to search and see if there's another advance that God's wanting to do in your life. Mature you more beyond that. You know, I'm not expecting the people to pray like the, the prayer warrior or the, the intercessor or whatever, Right off the bat, but I am saying I'm expecting people to get on their knees and pray. You know, like this is the thing. If I would say this, if we're spending more time jotting down on Facebooks and getting, making sure all the Christians and people out there are hearing what we're saying about what's going on, COVID, going on in our government, and going on there. And you don't have time. You're not taking that time really seriously, taking time to implore God and, and pray to the Lord with all your heart on your knees but you got time on Facebook, I'd say that's what you need to quit doing. Seriously. Simple. Just quit doing that. And then go find a place to pray. Well, I didn't have to. Now you do. I just made that available for you. It's that simple. We're like, well, I don't know where to pray. Go in your room. Call me. I'll open up the church. We'll find a way to get you to pray. I'm all about that. And Jesus said, my house. Jesus said, my house. If we call this a house of God, it's not until it fits what he said. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. That was his infinite emphasis. This isn't Pastor James. or anything. Jesus emphasized, my house will be called a house of prayer. Are we ready to step into that place of prayer? Lastly, if prayer is the thing that God's going to have you focus on, then I'm going to say this. The next thing is repentance. And don't tell me church people don't need repentance. We need to repent. Now, What I mean by repentance, and this is very important that you understand, I'm not talking about grief, about sin, and feeling bad about it, and feeling sorry for sin. That's a piece to it, but that's not repentance. Because there's a lot of people still committing the same trespasses over and over again that feel very badly about it. So, repentance is, there's a whole new way of looking at it, and I can't keep living in it because I don't see it the same anymore. In the Greek definition, so we're actually looking to the original languages, it means, repentance means a change in view. So we've heard the 180 degree turnaround because the 180 degree turnaround is what naturally happens as a result of having a different view. I'm not going to keep doing that same thing over and over again. What we're struggling with is how come people aren't really coming to a place of repentance? I feel differently about it. But I'm not wholly convinced and transformed and changed in the way that I, I think of it. And I think the reason is, is this. It's simple. In some element, is because we've taken the victim mentality when it comes to sin rather than the criminal mentality. I chose to do this, not that I can't help it. When you have taken the I can't help it, then you're like, Lord, I need help. I don't like this sin. I hate this sin. But I'm a victim. Or... It was a choice. I had the freedom. I had the will to be able to choose one and do another. Now, yes, the temptation is something I don't have the power to to change. But I do have in Christ, I have the ability to look at this differently, and I was the one that chose. And when we begin to look at it like, yes, I had the executive power of voluntary decision, that's what makes it sin to begin with. If you can't help it, it's not That's not the sin part that we're talking about. What God's redeeming you from is that I had voluntary power and I chose to do it. Yes, I had temptation, but I could have fought against that. That's what Jesus comes to do. Now, we can say, all of us, and essentially, over our own nature, we don't have the power of that until we come to the cross. But you come to the cross and as a Christian, now you have to own up. You have to own up. Jesus wants us to come to a place of repentance When we're praying, the reason I say that is, what makes prayer prayer is a pure heart. That's it. It says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Put the word righteous in front of it. Now, if I were to go over and I would say, how many of you really feel righteous? Like you're righteous before God. I would say there's probably a lot of us who feel like I can't raise my hand to that. I don't feel like I've, I don't think I could do that. Well, this is where God is at work. He's like, I'm just calling you to a place of repentance so you can purify your heart so when you pray, you pray with pure motive. You pray with God as the focus behind the prayer. There's so much humanism that the focus behind the church today has become humanistic. In other words, Jesus Christ died to make me happy. But actually, Jesus Christ died to save you so that he could bring glory to his name. So the real focus is God. The reason why we miss it so many times in prayer, the reason why our prayers fall short, even as Christians, yes, I'm a devoted believer to the Lord, but the focus for the prayer is primarily what you're going to get out of it. Don't tell me that's not the case, especially the more difficult and the more severe the situation. I want peace. I want my marriage back. I want happiness in my life by the restoration of my body or whatever the case might be. And as hard as it is, you're the focus. I want happiness for me. I want something out of this. Lord, really, it needs to transfer from you to Him. And we hear a lot of TV preachers today, and I'm telling you, can I go there? There's a lot of those guys out there. It's about their ministry and about their money and about them. And they're making it big. But Jesus will make the final decision on the day of judgment. And I love it. Leonard Ravenhill says there's some of these guys. He says it will all be manifested by fire. God will deal with every bit of it. You don't have to worry about it. And it shames the rest of us that are out there. like, I'm just living for Jesus. Now I'm not saying that all of them are like that, but I'm just saying this. The focus is supposed to be Him. The focus is Him. But we got entangled in the focus off of that. It's about us. It's about our well being. It's about our happiness. Your happiness and well being come secondary. Because why? This is God. This is the King of the universe. And when we get it all about us, it says, when we ask, we ask amiss that we may consume it on our lusts. And then he says it this you ask and you don't receive. Because you're consuming lust in your own heart. And don't tell me that there's not a lot of lust. To be just free of misery. I want happiness. I don't want to be miserable. And our lust is right there. And We feel like God owes it to us to make us lose the misery. No, we owe it to Him to manifest the glory of His name, even if we are miserable. When in the end, that's the end. And we're just surrendering to God. So I'm taking it to this level, and I'm saying there's no formula. There's no formula for the power of God. It's the person of Jesus Christ. The closer we are to Him and united to Him, that's how it is. We have broken relationships. I remember a guy told me this. Actually, it was a message. I think it was by John Bevere a long time ago. Great message. And he talked about, um, he said, if you were getting ready to get married to somebody, and they said, I will be absolutely faithful to you. 100% faithful. I'll cook, I'll clean, I'll... Whatever you're needing, I'll be there for you. And it sounds like a great offer, right? But they say, but just one time out of ten years, I just want one time where I can go and cheat. You ready to, You ready for that marriage? You open to that? Because if we're talking about a commitment to Christ, Lord, I'm not going to take my prayers for miracles, for salvation for somebody, and I'm not going to adulterate those by taking them off of your name and posting it on my own. I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. Lord, it has to go back to you. If everything's going to happen, I pray that it will be for your glory. When we've done that, we've truly committed to Jesus. And we're saying, I'm not going to taint or pervert or adulterate my heart and my commitment to Christ by even praying for Him to do things that is within His power for something other than His glory. And it says it in the Scripture, again, I will share my glory with no one. I will share my glory with no one. No one gets it. I don't care how glamorous it looks for you. I don't care how puffed up your ministry gets. I'm not... Sharing it with you. And I love that. That God's not going to share His glory with me. So when God touches your life and He heals you, that is for Him. If a sermon is ministered to you and has brought you to a place of transformation and change, that's for Him. You know, some of you will say that's a great sermon. And I'm thankful that you have that just leads me to say God did something, but really, it's not. It's not for me. It's not for me. Your service and your commitment to Him and how you minister to the lost. It's not for me. So one last thing, I just want to say this in my uh, uh, impromptu sermon <laughs> was I, w- I want to say that when you decide that you're going to obey the Lord. And minister and share your faith with them, even if it feels a little, when you decide to, it's going to be difficult you're going to feel uncomfortable. it's not going to feel like like you did a good job a lot of times maybe maybe you did that's great. It may not feel like that, but I want to challenge you to stay committed anyway, because what happens is the Lord gives you the grace and the knowledge and the wisdom as you go, not before you go. Like, Lord, give me the download. I'll, I'll decide to go based on if I get a good enough download from you. And he's like, no, you're going to go and step out on the water. Yeah. It's going to be uncomfortable. You will have those things where you may have messed up, but the, I, will, I will show you along the way. And I, otherwise this, folks, and I'm just going to say this plainly, and, and I need accountability to it too, but I don't want to do ministry. I don't want to I don't want to be up here. I don't want to be a part of anything that happens here any more than you do. If we're not going to go the way Jesus said to go. If if we're going to listen to it and we're still not going to do it, I just I can't do it. I'm not right about it and I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to help me stay that way, but you need to stay there too. And the reason I'm saying that is is because I already know There's too many ministries, too many ministries right now. They're just going on the they're just going on the flow of flesh. Honestly, just ask for simple points in obedience. That's all I'm saying. Simple points of obedience. Read your Bible. Obey what it says. Pray. Worship God and do what he wants you to do in life. Just that, that's all I'm asking. I'm not asking for something more than that. I'm just praying, just do that. If you're not doing it, then this sermon was for you. It's for you. And I'm not telling you that the obedience is what wins your, your right before God. Jesus, what he did already took care of that. The obedience secures the fact that you decided to put some interest in the fact that God did it for you. And I don't know where you're at right now. I really don't. But the heartbreak that I'm having isn't necessarily from any of you particularly, but I'm saying that I'm meeting and I'm finding more and more. I'm like, wow, this is so pointed out in the Bible. This is right there in the Bible. This also is in the Bible. But it's not being it's not being heeded to. Before long, it'll wear it'll wear me to nothing because I'll realize. Jesus, we can't take a step further. The Holy Spirit isn't going to anoint when we decide we're just going to go our own way. So I'm trying to say in in all my heart, let's not be the church that's a hearer, but the doing church. So lastly, part of my sermon today was when it got to me with my kids about how did I, like each one of them shared something the Lord did this last week that was His plan and purpose. And I sat there while I was listening to each one of them, and I thought to myself, did I? Did I? Because I did the pastoral thing, you know, we had family over, and I talked to them, and I talked to people. But I was like, but that's just, that's the natural flow of ministry. But did I miss the Lord in my ministry? And I said, guys, I don't know if I did what God wanted me to do this week. I don't know if I got so busy and caught up in things. I really can't say that I know for sure that I did. And I realized sometimes that's the first place that obedience goes. Lord, I need to come to that place. So, I'm sharing that with you is because it's not an agonizing thing. It's a it's an actually a heart a humbling thing so that I can go back to what God wants me to do. And um it didn't take long, but we were talking about communion and we're gonna do that here in a minute. But I have for months just and, and it's we we did this last time and it just didn't get it didn't happen. And finally brothers and sisters are coming to me and they're saying, How come? Like that's my fault, you know, like I, I can own up to that because I just overlooked it. And what I what I'm finding is simply that God has little things, they're usually not big things, but they're little things that we're overlooking that he wants us to do because we get caught in the flood of everything else going on. It's that simple. So now I'm going to step up and obey the Lord, (laughs) which is really cool because I've had some people say, Will actually asked me this morning, he says, so why are you doing this? I'm like, because we should be doing it. (laughs) And He's like, well, because I've gotten wind from other people. I was like, well, that's great. And he's like, and my wife and I this morning, we're talking about it and they're like, so more and more, what I realize is there's a confirmation that other people were feeling the same way. But what I'm grateful for is we're stepping it up in an attitude of obedience that not just I feel it, but you guys feel it. So one last thing for you is pastors are not perfect. Please don't expect me to be. But what I want to say, I want to say thank you When Mike and Michelle were here and they prayed and I said, and there was more people here at that, you guys make it easy for me. You really do. You know, like when something like that's pointed out, man, somebody could hammer on me and just beat me up over it, and I probably would have it coming. But no, that's not how I got treated. And it's like, you know what, Pastor, if you're struggling, we want to step up and help you, and we want to do this with you. I just want to say thank you. That's just just to me that's just so sweet. Yeah. And it's revealed the love of the Lord to me in a very powerful way. So thank you for looking over my failures, helping me and helping hold me accountable and strengthening us in this ministry. Because what you guys are doing here is a part of that. And so what I'm sharing is not me just trying to blast you. It's me reminding me, <laughs> you know, really, like Lord, I need the I need the message to blast in my own heart. Maybe the rest of you are doing great, but I need it. Amen. So let's just take a few minutes. I'm going to have the worship team come up. We're going to prepare for communion. If this is a time where you're like, okay, I'm reflecting on my heart. I've let sin in the door somewhere where I shouldn't have. If I have a place of obedience God wants me to step into. I just want you to take the time right now to confess those things to God, bring those to him, and just let the Lord purify your heart and prepare you for communion.